0: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 98 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindberg. Here on this episode, the topic of conversation is audio darts, which is an adapted form of the popular game of darts for the blind and visually impaired. And I should mention that all competitors in audio darts are blindfolded regardless of their level of vision, in order to make it a totally fair and even playing field. So let's go ahead now and get throwing at the dartboard toward episode number 98. Alright, so joining me here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports, I have two great guests here with me. First, I would like to introduce Sam Jasmine, who is from Plymouth, Minnesota, near Minneapolis. Sam, welcome. Thank you absolutely appreciate you taking the time to chat here and then we also have rich capengian who is from saint augustine florida my home state rich welcome
1: thanks for having me on Greg. appreciate it
0: absolutely really looking forward to chatting with both of you here and like i mentioned in the intro we are going to be talking about uh, audio darts primarily Uh, so super excited to get a little more into this awesome sport so let's go ahead and start here with Sam uh, first off. And uh, so Sam, just talk to us about uh, kind of your early years, uh, where you were born and where you're from.
2: I moved around a lot when I was young, but I was born in Vancouver, Washington State and um, lost my vision at a very early age due to retinal blastoma, and eventually made it to Minnesota when I got to my college time, but attended some School for the Blinds and then uh, mainstreamed into public school during my uh, junior high and and high school years and decided uh, late in my Later in my life, my parents got divorced, moved to, uh, ended up moving to North Dakota, which is the end of the world. Sorry, everybody who's from there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it truly is. Right. And uh, I thought, OMG, I need to go somewhere where there's more accessibility and ended up, well, I used to do a lot of uh, talking to radio DJs and I was also very into music when I was in high school. and. Everyone that I would talk to said, Oh, you have to go into broadcasting. You have to go into broadcasting. And I was like, I don't know. You know, I heard that it was, well, I just thought it'd be really difficult to get into it and moved to Minnesota going or started off in my college years in in North Dakota and then decided, you know, uh, I was going to school for a music education and I thought I really should try. And so, changed to a minnesota school that specified broadcasting and Went there and found it a lot of fun and that I really did enjoy it and After that decided that I don't know if I wanted to be in broadcasting since it was at the time fairly although not totally heavily male-dominated and I probably would have been fired because I wasn't good at being a giggle bunny or anything on one of those uh, (laughs) pop DJ things. I would have been more of a serious female person or somebody who was the boss. (laughs) And uh, so I did eventually land a gig and it was all volunteer actually, but it was on a, a local community station called KFAI doing a show at the time it was called Disabled and Proud and ran by somebody who started it a year before I joined her. And she happened to be looking for an engineer. And not only could I do that, but I had my own radio license. So I was an advantage to her and came aboard and, and was there till she decided to hand the reins over. And then I quickly changed the program after a while to Disability and Progress. So I'm still doing that.
0: I'm curious, is it kind of like my podcast? you have guests hmm. on interview style? We have
2: or- guests on most weeks. Uh, I'm taking a little bit of a hiatus, so we're playing some past stuff, but it is also podcasted. So we can be streamed hear, heard online or, and we are also podcasted. So we kind of have the best of everything. And we air every Thursday from six to seven central time on KFAI.org. Or of course, disability and progress is a podcast. So, gonna ask your, your brilliant speaker to play that.
0: Nice, nice. I'll definitely include uh, that info in the show notes for everyone as Thank well you. to have. Absolutely. So yeah, moving on to audio darts. So I know you're, I know you're kind of an authority on audio darts. <laughs> uh, created an actual audible, you know, dart board. Um, so very curious just to kind of pick your brain here, you know, initially hear about the history of audio darts How long yeah. has this game actually been around to your knowledge?
2: Yeah, this game came before I was well before I was into it Some guys got together and thought that wouldn't it be cool if if everyone could be on the same playing field playing darts and in about 88 some pr- people got together and got arachnid to actually build a board that was accessible, very accessible, actually. It only had about four or five games on it. I think, f- yeah, four or five games, one of them being a practice mode, so you didn't really count that. But, and it was built on a very large uh, arcade board, <clears throat> one of those ones you'd find in the bar or you know, larger ones that you used to see in the bars. And uh, they were expensive. They were probably, I believe, they were like sixteen, seventeen hundred $1,700 was what I was told at the time. There were about 50 of them made. I think there were probably a few more. Um, And half of them were, they were divided up. Where part of them were, were sent around the U S states here. And some of them were sent to Europe. Uh, I don't know where they went after they got there, but here I can tell you most of the places i remember seeing the boards when i heard about them which was in the 90s about 95 when i came in was like chicago minneapolis was a, a big area cuz obviously the guys who started and commissioned some of this were from here and uh the some people in the east coast had them in pittsburgh um also i believe a couple in california and I don't know where else, but those were the main ones. I think you could probably have found them in North Carolina. And some of the places where larger quantities of blind people were scattered and could pour out, you know, sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars 1700 <laughs> sure. So So that's, that's it for that. And I came in, when I came in, they were still working, but I would say in the 2000s, I started seeing them break. So, yeah, so the history, like I said, was a... Uh, com, uh, pre-recorded voice, much like the one is now, but I, I had it on some authority that it was the receptionist for the company um, that did happened. And when they started to break, the some of the people who commissioned it to begin with went back and said, Hey, can we get some more? And Arachnid said, ha ha ha, ha no way, because <laughs> they were so expensive to make and they didn't sell the best well with that amount of money like you really had to be able to afford that so nobody was making them um they were just kind of left it was what it was and Hmm. eventually you were going to have nothing so in the 2000s uh i started which was when i was well in there i started seeing them break and they were expensive to fix you couldn't the parts you had to be lucky enough to find the parts at a used arcade store or something like that. They weren't readily ordered. So I decided that something's got to happen or this is going to die. And I did not want to see this sport go back down to you had to have spotters. We already have spotters, but I didn't want them to have to tell you everything. We had had so much freedom and I had a partner who um, I was lucky enough that, well, wasn't lucky at the time, he lost his job, but I said, I have something for you to do. (laughs) (laughs) So we sat down and picked apart how we would do it again. What would we do if we could design a dartboard that was the quote, perfect dartboard? My first thought was get rid of that stupid arcade size board, because number one, It was way big and way hard to carry. Number two, you you really wanted everyone to have access to this who could, you know, who could put a board up. And so the home boards seemed to be the best way to go. So then we started experimenting with looking at different boards. What would be a board that looked good that we thought we could kind of, quote, pick apart and use various things? And one that didn't feel like it was cheap because a lot of those boards do if you buy a lot of these boards they're meant to last a year or two and then they break so after going through and there weren't a lot of them that met our standards and after going through a couple and looking at them we chose the 650 Cricut Pro um, Mm. which we uh, took and dismantled and looked at it and thought okay how would we do this and we thought we would find sort of a speech chip that we could use that we could record the voice on there and game rules and things like that. And we ended up fitting a a dozen games on there, Wow! which was way more than the original. So I was very proud of that. Not only uh, were we able to do that, the original did not tell you. So if you know anything about dartboards, there's rings, concentric rings around the board, the outermost ring is the doubles, then comes the outside singles, then the triples, then the inside singles, and then there's an outer bullseye and an inner bullseye. So if you got a triple, it would tell, the old one would tell you a triple. If you got a double, the old one was would tell you a double. Uh, if you, same with the, I believe, if I remember right, same with the inner outer bullseye. But if you hit an inside 20, it didn't tell you, it just told you 20. Well, you didn't know if you were inside or outside. That makes a big difference. Right. Um, and so then you'd have to have, again, back to having a spotter tell you. Also, the dartboards that, you know, were designed on the kind of the British system, <laughs> which means to me they don't make sense. But, you know, the numbers are not like one, two, three, four, five. The numbers are like 20 at 12 o'clock. Then, five, then 18, then, you know, and they go around as such. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if you could design one that had the clock positions on it as well. So you could have the choice of hearing the clock or not the clock. And which is how I learned, you know, 20 is at 12 o'clock, three is at six o'clock. I kind of learned that way. So I knew where my numbers were and somebody could say, you know, you're off at, you know, three o'clock, you'd know where you were uh and so that was really helpful to me and i felt i i wanted that to be on the new board so we we put a number of different things on the new board that wasn't on the old board remember the old boards never went back once they went out they were out they never were updated never were anything um because arachnid had no plans of doing this again Uh, so when i came i actually called arachnid and i said are you going to sue me if I use some of your boards <laughs> to do this and there's like sue you heck we'll come and we'll hug you. <laughs> we don't want to deal with it anymore. Please take it. So wow. I was lucky enough that uh they've been they were very supportive and then they sold off their home line and so various companies have had it throughout that time now up until now every time I tell them who I am and have to read introduce myself and say, I'm doing this. You know, are you good with this? You're gonna sell dartboards to me. And by the way, these are gonna be sales that you would never ever get if you didn't have me. So right. they've all been good. It's all been, you know, on the up and up. The only thing that we do use is their display boards. And most of the rest of the stuff is pretty much ours. Um, for the exception of of course the shell and the matrix and things like that.
0: I got you. I see.
2: We put our boards out in 2009, about around close to Christmas. And uh, we sold, you know, almost 150 of them. And then one day when we ordered boards, and because they were passed to another company, we opened up a board. We thought, oh, because they redesigned the inside of the board. That (laughs) means we had to kind of start from scratch with what we knew. And how to redesign sort of and so it took us a couple years to get our feet back under us but then we came out with our next series uh, which we've been doing well with but we upgrade our boards we still you know make changes granted a lot of them aren't big changes because we've kind of gotten our feet under us and been able to get rid of the bugs that we had at the beginning, or almost all of them, and the changes that we, we, I guess myself feel like we did such a good job at the beginning, you know, some of the changes we've made were either customer suggestions that I thought, oh, you know, we really should do that, or um, things that I never thought of doing and it came in our heads to do later, but they're small things. So... That's kind of where we are now. And I guess I'll open it up to you to see if you have any more questions about stuff that I need to answer.
0: Sure, sure. I just gotta say, it sounds like you and your partner really took a lot of time. And like you said, just so much thought went into the design and the development and what was on the chip, the voice, you know, programming that and everything, I'm sure it was quite a process, right?
2: Oh, yes it was. And we did take a lot of time and I, I, I'm not going to go through and name the names, but I would just like to take a minute and thank our testers when we did do that um, because we had people who gave a lot of free hours to test and we didn't have anything to pay them. So we, you know, they, they did it out of the goodness of their heart and give us feedback and things like that. Um, so just kind of a shout out to them. Thank you for the testers.
0: Absolutely, that's quite an undertaking, I must say. And then, so as far as uh, leagues, so I know there have been some audio dart leagues around the country and different tournaments and whatnot. And if you just want to give us kind of an overview of, you know, how that has looked in the past, how that looks now.
2: Yeah, um, the leagues ebb and flow, and um, it was at one point that we had a handful of leagues. Uh, we had one in Pittsburgh, one in I think Philadelphia, if I remember. Uh, we had North Carolina, we had one in Delaware, and there was one here. And I'm I might be missing something somewhere, but that's that's about where we were. And you know, people die. People, unfortunately, when you have somebody who runs a lot of the league, and they pass away or something happens it's it's a real big undertaking to run a league and uh it takes somebody who wants to do it with some drive and motivation and not just do it for a day you gotta you gotta be willing to do it for some amount of years (laughs)
0: right
2: and that's that's an undertaking right so now we have far fewer leagues um but we have a lot more players than um you know people have have come and gone but we do we are finding that we are getting uh, more players from various parts of the country i don't don't know why we're not getting more from all over because this is a game that you can play all the time and i have to say the best compliment i ever received well i've received from really good compliments but one of the ones that sticks with me is i got a call from somebody and said i just want to thank you for creating this board because because of the pandemic i don't know what we would have done if we didn't have this dartboard Mm -hmm. and that was such a great you know feeling that hey you know you can this is something you can do anytime you know you can do it in the middle of the night if you have a house that you can do it in. you can do it in a snowstorm you can do it you know. If you're stranded in the house, um, it's just, or if you have a family event or, you know, so it's, it's great. And we are getting more, more players, but we, but fewer leagues. I know we have now we have lost our league in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, I believe. So until there's plenty of people there. So if anybody that hears this wants to start a league around that area, i have a lot of names that i can give you so please step up and and contact me because i can put you in touch with people north carolina has a league i think they have two actually two groups that play Um, minnesota has two groups as well and uh one is a the twin cities audio dart league they used to do it and they did it for a long time which i was a part of them and then I left and they stopped doing it. Now I belong to the North Star Audio Dart Group and I have my own 501C3 now, which is the Audio Dart Association. Hmm. Um, and that is who runs the tournaments now, that last year and this year's tournament that's going to be happening in October. That, um, that's who's running it. It's me and my board.
0: Oh, nice. And where is that going to be held?
2: That is held in the Twin Cities uh, at the Crown Plaza, the 13th, 14th, and 15th of October.
0: Excellent. Very exciting coming up here pretty soon. Yeah. Nice. And then so if someone were interested in actually purchasing a dartboard, would they contact you? Is that what you recommend? Yes,
2: absolutely. Um, They can email audiodartmaster at samjasmine.com. Jasmine has an E on it. So... Dartmaster at samjasmine.com or they can call 763-383-0077 that's 763-383-0077 we don't take website orders so our website you can't order a board from there um, because i really like to talk with the person and know what they want and get a feel because i i don't want to deal with I didn't know that this was going to need this, and uh, maybe I want my money back or maybe this. I want to make sure that whoever's buying a board that th- we really can serve what they need.
0: Right, right. And I assume the boards do come with the darts and the little thing for your feet as well, or as far as equipment. So
2: they come with the boards come with a couple sets of darts. They do not come with a stand or toe board. You have to order that. Some okay. people um, some people they make their own stands or they make their own toe board i i don't care i'm the stands are pretty labor intensive so if we don't have to make you a stand that's great maybe we just have to make you a toe board some people like to make their own and i i have no problem with that i only caution them make sure you have the understanding of how far back you need to be from the board because if you screw that up um you'll be surprised when you get to a tournament
0: (laughs) For sure. Yo. And just a little more about the stand or the tow board, just so people know, it, it does basically help line you up and position you toward the board, right?
2: The stand holds the board. It's a lean against the wall stand. A tow board comes attached to that, but you could order just a tow board separately if you wanted and wanted to mount your board on the wall, because the most stable your board's going to be is if it's on the wall. That doesn't mean it's bad to have a stand. It just means if you want an excellent stable place, putting it on the wall is a great place. You know, it's good to make sure you have your board and stand somewhere safe because, you know, kids tear through the house. You don't want anybody hitting the stand and knocking your board down. And you don't, you know, animals tear through the house. (laughs) So you want to make sure you have your board and stand in a good place. And if it's mounted on the wall, it's much harder to knock it down.
0: Sure, makes sense and then before we wrap up here with you sam uh any other sports for the blind that you've had the opportunity to try
2: yeah i used to be a big goalball player um i have uh not been playing that for a while I, it's hard to find females that still want to throw their bodies on the floor but uh it's a great sport and i really enjoy it and wish i could find a uh, a team that that wanted to do that. I i have had the chance of going to nationals and playing with some of the paralympians on their team which was a lot of fun for me and great learning experience besides having my own team at some point in my life but yeah um you are you familiar with goalball
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah so you know what that is and um that's a great sport that is I hope it's growing, I don't know. I have been out of it for a while. I did hear that there was, um, I never got to try it, but tennis, blind tennis, that sounds a lot of fun to me.
0: Yeah, um, I've actually done a few interviews recently here on the podcast on blind tennis, and that's a very I, new sport in this country, but it's it's starting to pick up some steam.
2: Yeah, I wanna learn how to play it. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, but that's my experience as far as, um the real powerful accessible sports that i've done
0: sure awesome i appreciate that all so then moving over to you rich um so talk to us about your journey and, and kind of where you're from here initially in your early years
1: all right well i grew up in jersey um mainstream high school everything was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa when i was five years old but made it through regular high school without needing any adaptive equipment or anything like that. So that went well. Um, early twenties probably lost most of my vision found out about some adaptive sports, uh, back in 84, uh, started doing some of the nationals in the USABA was part of the ABA and J team did powerlifting, um, hmm. shot and disc, uh, did some running swimming uh goal ball. and then uh didn't find out about beat baseball until the 2011
0: and oh wow quite a few playing, years yeah, later
1: started playing yep. beat baseball at a later age which i would have known about it when i was in my 20s would have been a lot better but uh you know, still went out there and threw my body on the ground and did that. And, matter of fact, still doing that, playing for the New Jersey Titans. Found out about audio darts in 2015, I believe, 2014 or 15, and uh, was asked to come to a mini tournament with the Philadelphia Audio Dart Group and uh, showed up there and grew pretty well. Uh, actually, one of the people who actually passed away two years ago, Greg Ontaric, he was like the leader of that club. And he was like the best dart thrower in that area. And, uh, my first tournament mm-hmm. there, I beat Greg. And it was like, people were just like shocked. They're like, Rich beat Greg. It was like, you know, we <laughs> put the giant down, you know, it was the giant killer. And, uh, right. And it just got better. And then they were talking about going to a, a big t- major tournament in Minneapolis, and I'm like, man, that's a lot of money to go spend. And what if you don't do well? And blah blah blah. But they went, and they, you know, a couple of the guys from that club went and, and did pretty well. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go to one of these big tournaments because I was doing pretty well in the mini tournaments. They were having mini tournaments every other month in Philadelphia, and I would go to them, and I was was doing very well. So uh, I went to uh, I believe my first major tournament was in pittsburgh and uh hmm. i did very well at that i took first place in a couple events and from there it was just it was on like anytime there was a major tournament anywhere i was going um sure then i uh, retired from my job i was working in a pharmaceutical company for 32 years retired there oh, wow. in december of 19, 2019 just before the pandemic decided throwing away the snow shovel and never looking back and moved to Florida. And here I am. So,
0: wow. yep,
1: It's been, uh, quite the journey, but, uh, I mean, I, I love darts. I mean, I, it's, it's, uh, it's the best $600 I ever spent, you know, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I play darts just about every day, you know, and, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to have.
0: Absolutely. And like uh, Sam was saying, you know, no matter whether it's raining or snowing or mm-hmm. hailing or, you know, 100 degrees outside, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, you can get out the dartboard and enjoy it.
1: And like I tell so many people, like, you know, to be a good player and beat baseball or goal ball, you know, your, your athletic ability has got to be up there a little bit, you know, otherwise you're just sitting on the bench. But with darts, I mean, you don't have to be the best athlete. You know, as long as you can throw, you know, throw something straight at at the dart board, you know, you're good. So that's why I I, I try to, you know, talk to some younger blind kids about it and stuff and just tell them, like, you know, if you're not the best athlete in the world, it's okay in darts. You know, you're just – you learn – the most important thing, I think, in darts is just learning where the numbers are. I mean, that was the first thing I did was memorize where the numbers were on the board because – I mean part of most of these games is to zero out and you need to know where these numbers are so if you get down to an 18 you got to know where that number is
0: exactly i am curious a little more about the tournaments how those work uh, the formats you know how many people compete typically in some of the bigger tournaments
1: um some of the bigger tournaments usually anywhere from 25 to 35 people competing um there's usually four dartboards set up in like a conference room in the hotel and uh you know, it starts out. We usually start on a on a Friday night, have one event that usually starts around seven o'clock at night. Probably goes to about nine or nine thirty, ten o'clock, and then Saturday there would be three different events with a little lunch break in the middle somewhere, and then Sunday morning we usually wrap up with one event, usually about eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, where people got time to catch their planes to head back home if they're from out of state, and uh, yeah, cash prizes for for the winners. Usually top four spots will get paid.
0: Oh, nice. And how much, what kind of money are we talking?
2: (laughs) It varies. Because it really does change every tournament. Yeah. And it depends on how much you fundraise, and it depends on how much you make. Every tournament's very different. I mean, you will make some money if you win those places, but it's not a guaranteed set amount.
0: Gotcha. I see. But it sounds like it could try, you know, cover, say, the cost of travel or... For, you for people who
2: win, I mean it, they often end up covering you know either their entry fee or some can cover their hotel fee or some can cover travel. It depends on also how good are you. Mm-hmm. How many places do you win? If you win three first places and the money's good at that particular tournament, you could cover all that you have spent. but if you win you know three fourth places, no you won't you may not cover that, but you'll you'll get something.
1: I mean gotcha. in, in the past as well I've reached out to Lions clubs who have sponsored me like covered my flight my hotel and
2: mm-hmm.
1: the entry fee to the tournament so you know at that point whatever you make is is gravy so I mean I'm exactly can reach out to a Lions club and try to get some support doesn't hurt to ask
0: Oh yeah I know they've supported uh baseball teams and goalball ball and mm-hmm. All kinds of different, you know, sports and, and different activities for the blind. So definitely great advice. Um, as far as uh, specific achievements, either of you want to mention, uh, you know, any tournaments that you've won, any super memorable tournaments or accomplishments in audio darts?
2: Well, I have two pretty good memories that I have. Um, my first tournament that I was in was in a, actually in a bowling alley. Um <laughs> They'd set the dartboards at the end of the bowling lanes and we were using the this was back when we had those big boards and so we were playing and I had just come in not too long before that. And I was such a rookie. I didn't have my numbers memorized or anything. And so like Rich said, I just threw at the board. I figured as long as I hit, that's better than nothing. And Um, I ended up getting high ton, which means uh, a ton is a hundred or over. And so I got the highest ton for that weekend and I got this humongous trophy. And at the time I was young, you know, so I thought, oh, wow, I've never gotten a trophy this big before. (laughs) And it was like my whole pride thing because here I was playing against people who have been playing since, you know, 88, who I couldn't have compared to them. And I just sure. happened to hit the right things and got the highest ton. And so for me, that's what cemented that. I, I mean, I've always been a competitive person, but that cemented in that competitive nature for darts. So it's like, whoa, okay, if I can do this being an idiot and not knowing where the numbers are, what can I do when I know where the numbers are? Right. <laughs> um, and fast forward years later, I I give my child some credit for this. When I was with my second child, um, I happened to hit three triple twenties in a row. And anybody who plays darts knows that's the highest you can get on a dartboard. And uh, it's I I don't know. I know that people who can see the board and aim, they can probably do it, but to not be able to see the board and aim and do it, it is a much, much harder thing. And I was so thrilled when I did that. Um, And I, I that was my second best memory of when I accomplished that and I was actually the first one in the Twin Cities Audio Dart League to have done it. And I certainly wasn't the longest one there at the time. And I was a female, so I was really excited. (laughs)
0: wow wow that's awesome rich how about you
1: i mean when i started out and like i said went to that first pittsburgh tournament and and won several of the events that was just like i said that was that was the icing on the cake that was getting me going to every tournament so that was a great memory and then just last year as a matter of fact at the minnesota tournament it was uh first major tournament since uh greg ontaric had passed away and uh his wife is, has been a a spotter in a lot of these tournaments and she was there. And one of the things that Greg would always hit, like he was known for hitting a triple 19. And, uh, so she had put up a thing saying she was going to pay the first person that hit a triple 19 was going to get a cash prize. (laughs) And, uh, I was actually the first one to do it. It was like on my second dart of the tournament. I hit first, I hit a 19 and then a triple 19 and, janet was actually the spotter on that board so it was it was very emotional me and greg went back quite a ways and we're always very competitive with each other and uh i was just real happy that i was the first one to win that that special prize in in memory of greg
0: wow i do kind of get chills hearing that story just like you said the whole emotion Mm -hmm. and having his his wife there and everything that's that's a great story Mm -hmm.
2: you know if i could add something um people make a lot of connections when they come to these tournaments. You know, you make a lot of friends and meet a lot of people from not just one or two states. Uh, We have had people come as far as from California. Um, And so you make friends and connections. And as the pandemic taught us, if you didn't know it before, you never know when the last time is you're going to see someone and sometimes it does happen, unfortunately, that you see your friends at a tournament and then something happens the next year. So it is good to be able to make those connections and and come to the tournaments and see people and socialize and meet these friends and keep coming and meeting them every year, you know, because you never know.
0: Sure. Great point. Cool. Well, I know uh, you guys had uh, mentioned uh, being up for a little friendly dart match here. So, <laughs>
2: You know, secretly I told, uh, I told Rich, I said, you know, Rich, you got to let me win. You know this, right? And he pretty much told me the heck with me. So <laughs> yeah, I, I have been uh, not shooting at my best. So I'm, I, we'll see what happens. But yeah, this will be a fun little quick game. i'm trying i'm i'm thinking what rich is gonna do is say you can go first ladies first so that's his excuse to see how i do the first time out um <laughs> so what do you want to do rich
1: you want me to go first i can do that
2: oh yeah go ahead since i am
1: mm-hmm.
2: i am thinking i'll i'll go easy on you this game so go ahead
1: okay here we go 19
2: 2
3: did you just thank push you- that button thank you greg Oh, gosh.
2: Well, all bets are off since you got a trip 19.
1: Oh, so, yeah, you'll get a trip 20.
2: Not yet. Not I haven't been lately, but nope, I missed. I missed again. I missed my whole first round.
1: What are you doing?
2: I don't Here know
3: round two player one three eight one five eight one eight one eighty five forty one point okay here we go round three five seven two nine four five ninety two seven one three two sixty six thirty but smaller round round are we only doing seven rounds? We never discussed that. Yeah. Round four, Players one,
2: one, six. I don't know, six, nine, I might
3: want nine.
2: <laughs> okay, my turn? Yep.
3: i 15, 2, 50, one. Five, 16, 2, 35. Thirty-one points. Go ahead. One, oh, two,
2: one, three, sixty, ninety, seventy-two points. Oof! I can see where this is going.
3: Five, ten, two, twenty-two, five, twenty-two, hundred would be lucky to get to a hundred by this point. One, five, one, hundred two. Line 2, 88, line 17, 74, points. One eight round, line nine, nine. 162, line 3, 164, Round 6, fire, line 29, 64, Side 14, 20, 7. Side 8, Round 142. say Oh, come on. Be brave. Points. Chicken. Good game. Points.
2: Good game. That is not how I'm going to let you do it at the tournament, but you know, for now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, tournament's a whole nother animal.
2: The tournament is a whole nother animal. Trash talking is a must. And no, I'm kidding.
0: We <laughs> don't always, but you know, it's it's a lot of fun. Sure, sure. Well, hey, congrats, Rich. And thanks. It's a uh, really cool to kind of hear. This was really the first live competition I've actually had on this podcast here in the 98th episode. So, yeah,
3: cool to I let him feature
0: hit. some action. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Talk again, we've been chatting with. Sam Jasmine and Rich Kapenjian here on the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. And uh, thank you both so much for taking some time to chat here and for demoing uh, audio darts for everyone.
1: Yeah, thank
3: Thanks you. Thanks for having us on, Appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. All righty. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.